folks here. We appreciate the presence of the Lord. Psalm 21, verse 3. For thou preventest him with the blessings of goodness. Thou settest a crown of pure gold on his head. I'd like you to pay particular attention to the beginning portion of this Psalm 21 and 3. For thou preventest him with the blessings of goodness. I want to minister this morning on blessed to be saved. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. The scriptures are very accurate. There is uh, really not a lot of uh, leeway, right or left. There is some margin of that. But pretty much you can get it straight and settled in your mind that what the Lord has said in His Word, that's exactly what He means. There's really not any fudging, and we are told that it is for no private interpretation. God knows how to bring about the interpretation of His own Word, and that is by line upon line and precept upon precept. It is by studying the Word of God in subject matter and the different scriptures on any particular subject that they will be like pieces of a puzzle and come together and give to you the picture of that subject from God's mind, what He thinks about that subject. The Scripture is not for us to uh, play around with and to just hang on to our favorite little candy stick and ignore everything else. Not at all. For the Bible teaches balance. And just as our universe and our world is based on the balance that God provided, so the Word of God will provide balance in an individual's life and overall in the church, the body of Christ. The Bible teaches here in Deuteronomy 28, and that's the book of the second law, meaning he gave it to them the second time. Nobody accusing anybody of being slow learners. But sometimes we have to repeat. God has to bring it back around. And there were those that, unfortunately, they did not fully believe God in their hearts. And they're stepping out of Egypt. It didn't quite have the uh, kind of oomph that it needed to have. And somewhere along the line, they ran out of faith. And they started talking about going back. There's just too much to this. And we're missing things that we used to partake of. The mind can trick you because it has a way of forgetting pain. Now, that can be a good thing because when I hit the wrong nail, I'm real glad when the pain is gone after a while and I, then I don't even remember it anymore and I've moved on. But I want to tell you that there is certain things in life that are painful 
that we go through and that we come out of that we might not want to completely erase the memory of it. We might want to remember that we learned a little something from our mistake and our misstep or coming out of Egypt, coming out of the world, coming out of sin and being led by the presence of the Lord and that when he moved, they moved and taking them through the Red Sea miraculously and bringing them to a place where he caused the waters to gush, rivers of waters, to gush out of the rock and took care of them. Not only their thirst, but he gave them a good bath. They just got in there and scrubbed all that dust off of them. And they were refreshed, feeling good. Nobody was lacking. And God fed them with manna, and then he even fed them with the desire of their heart, gave them up to it, said, you want all that flesh? Well, try it again. See how you come out. And, of course, that didn't work out too well. And then the Bible, of course, teaches that the promised land was before them, the church. Everything had been bringing them to that place. And he wanted them to go across the river and go into Canaan land. He wanted them to come in a shadowing type of the church, the body of Christ. He wanted them to know that everything that they had need of was in that land that he provided. That there was going to be rivers that flowed like milk and honey. There was going to be housing. In other words, I'm going to see to your basic needs. There's, you're going to have to drive out an enemy, though, who's going to pop up every which way and try to keep you from getting what I have been aiming you towards. I want to tell you that in Deuteronomy 28, after the people had been called out who were chickens and faint-hearted and unbelieving, and they said, we want to go back to Egypt. It's just too much work. It's too much effort, as somebody mentioned this morning. I don't want to do that. So they said, we're gonna, we got us a captain, and we don't have to do what this says. We don't have to repent. We don't have to be baptized in Jesus' name. We don't have to receive the Holy Ghost like God gave it to them on the first day of the church that he started. How many spirits pop up and tell people that and just tell them to sign a little card, shake a little hand. I had a young man tell me the other day, I've been witnessing to him, and he said, well, I want you to know, he said, I, I, I repent and be baptized. And he stopped. And I said, that's repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and it's to everyone, and then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he just stood there staring at me. And he said, well, uh, they said, you know, that you just uh, uh, get baptized. You know, you, you go to the front, and you, and you publicly say that you want to be baptized. I said, yeah, well, I never read that in the Bible. I never read where it was a show of your flesh and that you were supposed to do what you were doing to impress other people. I read that baptism is for the remission of sins. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible teaches. But people have a tendency to go do it where it makes their flesh comfortable. They went back in their heart and pointed a captain. We'll find somebody that will tell us what we want to hear and lead us in the direction we want to go. 
Well, they didn't go quite as far in the direction that they had planned to go because the Bible teaches they wound up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years until every last one of them died. You don't want to live your life going in circles. That's what we come out of, that misdirection, that confusion, that great big waste of life and time. That's what God is going to save us from if we'll just obey what he said. And that's what he said in Deuteronomy 28 to the next generation. He said, if you will, hearken if you will pay attention to my word and what I tell you my blessings will overtake you my blessings will catch up to you and overtake you that's what they'll do he said for thou preventest him with the blessings of goodness that means you meet him preventest means in that usage meet he will meet you God will meet you. He's going to be right there and he's going to be on time and he brings his blessings for a specific purpose. He doesn't bring his blessings just to bless you, to bless you. God's not standing around twiddling his thumbs wondering what to do in the next second. God has purpose and most especially, he's got purpose for your life. Got purpose for your life. Another example comes to us in Luke that the Bible teaches that Peter, New Testament now, Peter is going to uh, enter into a certain place in a certain situation, and the Bible said that Jesus prevented him. That means that Jesus was anticipating what he was about to do and what was about to take place. And he prevented him. He anticipated that and he stopped him. And he began to give him a little Bible lesson and began to give him some direction so that he didn't get into the wrong situation. The enemy wants to step in front of you every time you're about to get into where God wants you to be and he wants you to, to abort to something else and go in another direction and settle for less when God said you don't want to leeks and garlics and onions you don't want the world that's not what your heart's crying for my blessings are here to meet you to guide you to mentor you to salvation to salvation I have seen in almost 40 years of evangelizing and pastoring a large chunk of that pastoring, I have seen people get a blessing from the Lord. I've known of people to have blind eyes open. I've known of people to have healing of all kinds of different things in their lives. Had a woman come here that God healed from AIDS. They, checked, they tested her and told her she had AIDS. She came for prayer. And she went back and they tested her and they said, no AIDS. That's happened more than once in this congregation. But you know what? I know of one woman that stayed with the church after that kind of miracle blessing of healing that God did. And I know of another person that didn't. They just went on back to the world, went on back to the wrong lifestyle and the wrong way of living. Let me tell you, 
God sends his blessings not for you to go off somewhere and bragging about it like the nine uh, lepers. And Jesus said, what is this? Only one comes back? Weren't there ten of you? Where are the nine? Oh, they're out there wandering in circles again, God. They went after telling everybody, I'm so blessed. Look what God did for me and doing nothing with it in the way of the true overall purpose, and that is salvation. A blessing is not salvation. It's to direct you to salvation. Romans chapter 1 in teaching to the body of Christ told them, Knowest thou not that the goodness of God, the blessings of God, the goodness of God leads you to repentance, meaning leads you to what a baptism in Jesus' name, leads you to receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, the salvation of the Almighty God. That's what the goodness or the blessings of the Lord are for, in part. You know, the people, they just want to use the blessing of the Lord some kind of crutch, some kind of rationalization. Oh, 40 years ago, God blessed me. Well, great. Wonderful. <laughs> but you, you're missing what that salvation, what that blessing was for. It's to get you to the salvation of God. It's to get you to the really important thing. Hell is going to be chock full of people that had a blessing or blessings in their life. They're going to be there in the wrong place. God is not bringing his blessing for you to go in the wrong direction with it and to use it as some kind of an excuse to never get the salvation of the Lord and to try to confuse and cross the wires of a blessing and salvation. There is a difference. The Bible talks about above 500 people. And there they were with Jesus. How marvelous was that in the days of his flesh to be standing there with him. In a high place, a mount, Mount Olives, a place called Bethany. And there the Bible teaches that he spoke to them he began to instruct them. And in so doing, the Bible teaches that he was getting, Jesus was getting ready to depart. This was post-resurrection, after his resurrection, after he had arisen from the dead. He is now getting ready to ascend. That fleshly body has been glorified. And we're not dealing with flesh anymore. We're dealing with a heavenly body. He's getting ready to ascend into heaven and he calls above 500 people that had been with him around him near him some form of disciple and he gets them all together and he begins to give them a Bible study he begins to give them these last minute instructions for he told them that I'm going away and where I'm going you can't go at least not now but he further explained to them that he would not leave them comfortless in his going. 
that the purpose, in other words, one of the reasons that I've given my life on the cross and the Spirit withdrew from that body and then re-entered that body after I spent three days in the heart of the earth preaching to the spirits which were in prison. Hell is a prison. Hell is a place you can't get out of when you go there. The Bible teaches that as he began to minister to them these last words, that he breathed on them, and he told them, gave them a commandment, an imperative, receive ye the Holy Ghost. You go get the Holy Ghost, the spirit of comfort that I told you, the spirit of truth that would lead and guide you or mentor you into all truth, that I told you about that. And now the time has come. He's telling them to go and that repentance and remission of sins would be preached in His name. That's Jesus Christ. In His name, among all nations, red, yellow, white, black, and any other shade you want to get, if there's a purple, they got this to have this. He said all nations, and it's to begin at Jerusalem. And it's to go forth from there into all the known and even would, to them would be the unknown world. Countries and places that had not yet been discovered. And so the Bible teaches that of above 500, about 120 hearkened to what he said. They listened to it to the point that they obeyed it. They kept the commandment that Jesus gave to them. And they went, imagine, just approximately a half a mile further. The Bible talks about falling short of the promise of God. He told them, repentance and remission of sins be preached in my name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Where they were standing, they could see Jerusalem. He told them that you're witnesses of these things that I have showed you and told you. And he said, now you go and you wait. You tarry, you wait for the promise of the Spirit which you have heard from me. And the Bible teaches of above 500, about 120. Listen to what he said and went in the right direction and went to Jerusalem, went to the church house in the upper room, and there they were all filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. The 380 went another direction. The 380 didn't listen. They didn't let the blessings of the Lord meet them and direct them at all. They were like the nine. They went in the wrong direction with it. Jesus is asking, where are they? But you know what? We're only going to ask that about one time because we've got to work with the ones that are willing We've got to work with the ones that are believing, as the Scripture has said. We've got to work with the ones that are keeping the commandment, hearing the word of the Lord, and doing it, hearkening to it, and acting on it. Many of them just went off to their scams and to their con artistries. And, uh, you know, there's artists that paint, and there's artists that con. But, but I'm telling you, Jesus Christ, he took me. I didn't have two cents to rub together. I didn't have anything going in my life besides a good wife, and I was about to lose that. 
And Jesus Christ pulled me out of the miry clay, set my feet, led me to the rock that was higher than I am. And when you start recognizing that he is higher, that he is the highest, and that that's where you need to be led to, and you got to get teachable, trainable, and coachable, and leadable, and he leads you to the rock that's higher. He will establish your goings. He will bless you, and his blessings are to bring you to salvation. It will bring you to his salvation. For salvation belongeth unto God. Everybody said, praise the Lord. Thou preventest him with the blessings of goodness. His blessings are good. The Lord doesn't come to do evil. He's not coming to stomp you down, beat you down. Everything the Lord does is to help save people. Everything he's already done, everything he has set in motion, Everything he has provided for and made available is to save you. To save you from the things that entrap you and destroy you and confuse you and leave you empty, void, dissatisfied, and unhappy and beaten down. A man that wandered in life and couldn't find his way out and was always hurting and cutting himself, doing his, blaming everybody else, but it was him doing it to himself in continuing in the, in the lifestyle that he was, he was a part of. And it was destroying him. And the Bible teaches that Jesus got in a boat one day and said, we're going over to the other side. Well, you can preach that because, honey, somebody's going to be in the boat and the church and they're going to go to the other side. You might want to tell yourself you want to get in that boat with the master because he'll get you through every storm. And if he said, and he did, that we're going to the other side, then we're going to the other side. No matter what the enemy does or the economy does or anybody does, There will be effort involved to get what Jesus has for you because he's going to prove your sincerity because he had a good number of, a good percentage of three million people that went back. And all they want to talk about was, yeah, I used to be blessed. I had the blessing of the Lord. Yeah. You know, I'm, I've witnessed to a guy one time was laying in the gutter and he was drunk and getting over it, hang on, hang, have a hangover. And I, I gave him a track, and I talked to him. He said, oh, I took Jesus as my Savior in 1941. <laughs> you know, you say you're mocking me. No, I'm telling you reality. That happened to me witnessing, okay? And I am trying to tell you that there are a lot of people that think they're saved. I don't know what they're saved from. Because they're still drinking, they're still smoking, they're still fornicating, they're still adulterers. They've got every kind of sin in their life, and they're not going in the direction that Jesus, he leads you out of sin. He leads you out of darkness. He takes you out of Egypt. He brings you to something better. Something so much better. And then there's always the line, Jesus understands. Oh, he does understand. He understands that you're lost and you need to be saved. He don't miss it. 
You can't con him. You can't fool him. You can't pull it over on him. And you can't do anything in secret. But what he sees it, knows about it. And you will give an account. And there will be no excuses. There will be no nolo contendos. That means they're not going to, you say, I'm guilty with explanation. The explanation days are gone when that happens, when that judgment takes place, when you get before the judge. It just you ain't going to be no lawyer. The advocate's doing his job now. You got a lawyer now. His name is Jesus Christ, and he's standing up for you. He's pleading your case. He's defending you, and he's doing it to save you from your sin. What does the Lord do? He meets you with his blessings of goodness. That's what he does. You got up this morning. You're breathing. You're walking. You're talking. You still got hope. You still, blessed is the man whose hope is the Lord. You still got hope. You still got hope here. Give an opportunity. The blessing of God is meeting you here this morning to bring you to salvation. Not just to get a good little feeling for an hour and a half. Amen. I had a guy ask one of the foremans on the job because I talked to him about bidding on the roof. And he said, uh, he came out and he, I said, go out there. I'm busy. I got to go somewhere else. You go out and meet so-and-so and Pastor Hopper and you talk to him. So he goes out there and Pastor Hopper told me later, he said, yeah, he asked me if he should bother bidding or is he wasting his time. He said, well, I'll tell you like he tells everybody else. You better sharpen your pencil real good. In other words, you better put in some effort. And you better be honest and sincere about what you're doing if you really want this. And that's the same thing about this great salvation. you got to be sincere. You've got to get that seed to get down past all of those layers of deception and fooling yourself and trying to fool others and get down to some good ground. Even if there's one little smidgen of it down there, this good Holy Ghost seed will find, this Word of God will find that good ground which is an honest heart. It's a good and an honest heart that will bear fruit when the salvation seed hits it. You know, I've told it for years. My pastor taught me. He said, in, uh, if you go to Louisiana, you got to plant three seeds, one to push, one to pull, and one to come up. But around here, us muck people, you plant one seed and jump back and get out of the way. Well, that's how you want your heart to be. That's how you want your heart to be. I don't need to, uh, somebody to argue with me and debate me. I want to hear the Word of God. I want the blessing of it to bring me to salvation. Bring me to salvation. Everybody said praise the Lord. Everybody said hallelujah. Let me tell you, I don't think I have anybody willing and, and limber enough around here to do what I want. But there's a, there's a woman in the Bible, and the Scripture teaches that her head was where her feet are. She was bowed all the way over. And uh, the Bible teaches that Jesus called her to him. I never read that Jesus had any such problem. I didn't read that he had curvature of the spine or scoliosis or any other thing you want to call it. I didn't read where he had to look at the dust all day long while he walked around 
because his head was down where his feet were. I didn't read where he probably had a bad neck from having to look up and try to see the ankles and the feet of the crowd so it wouldn't bump into somebody. You know, but this woman was bowed over her head where her feet are, and Jesus called her to him. He's going to test your sincerity by what kind of effort you're going to put into this thing. If you're just going to walk up here and say, yeah, I repent, Lord. I love this one. You know, who do you think you're fooling? You're just going through mechanics. You just learned that someplace that plays church. We don't play church. We are the church. We're a part of the body of Christ and the power of God reigns here. And if you want salvation, then you let his blessings usher you to him. You know, the, the theologists, you know, those denominational people, they will, those people filled with religion, which is trying to get to God on their own terms, and it ain't going to happen, they will, uh, they will tell you that you're saved by faith. Well, we are saved by faith. Faith in what? Faith in God's Word. But they will tell you that you're saved by faith and that you don't have to do anything because you're not saved by works. But see... That goes back to what I told you about that subject matter. About studying the Word of God, rightly dividing the Word of truth, here a little and there a little, line upon line, precept upon precept, because the Bible will teach you what kind of works do not save you. And it will teach you what kind of works are a part of the plan of salvation. And repentance, it tells you to bring forth works meet or proper for repentance to bring forth the fruit of repentance there is a biblical works there is an effort there is that which you must do you can't bypass that tell somebody hey hey you repent for me I'm tired I'm going to sleep you know that ain't gonna work you gotta get involved little woman you wanna be healed you get yourself over here Man, can you see that woman shuff, shuffling herself down there, dust clouds everywhere, and trying to get slapping people, get out of my way with her head down by the ground, slapping them in the ankle? Get out of here. <laughs> she made her way to Jesus Christ, and he laid his hands on her, and he casted out the devil, a spirit of infirmity, and the religious people said, it's the Sabbath day. You ain't supposed to do that on a Sabbath day. Let me tell you something. We have Sabbath day 7, 24, 365 and a quarter. Jesus is my Sabbath, and we worship him every day. Every day. Now, you just want to get honest with me. You can come up. You want to get honest with me. Sit down, please. I know you're hoping I'm done, but I ain't done. I'm believing the Holy Ghost ain't done. God help us if we go past 12, right? Everybody will have a heart attack. Well, the only heart that I want to attack is this one up here. <laughs> the, the Bible said that at Jesus, when he casted out that spirit of infirmity and that woman straightened up, whew, Oh, he'll straighten up your life. And all of a sudden, people looking at you like, where's my friend and what'd you do with her? You know, that cussing, drinking, nasty mouth, hoochie mama friend of mine. What happened to her? Well, she went the same way that spirit of infirmity went. Out! 
The same place those legions of devils went. Out of that man that was continually cutting and hurting himself. And, and they came the whole town looking at it and they were afraid of it. That's right. People are afraid of the power of God because there's a lot of people don't want to get straightened out. They like the club. They like the booze. They like the drugs. And a whole lot of other things that are destroying them. And it will come to an end. It will come to an end. The religious people saw this woman all straightened up. Wow. Instead of being happy, <laughs> instead of rejoicing with the blessing of healing that was shown upon this woman. 18 years she'd been like that, the Scripture teaches. I wouldn't want to have to walk around with my head where my feet are for 18 seconds. You know, they made you do that in gym class. 18 seconds, I couldn't make it. I think I made about 10. And I just fell over, lost my balance. Don't you laughing? You did too. Don't you act like you're all Mr. or Miss Agility. <laughs> and then people, they said, all them religious people, all them sanctimonious, pious people, you know, fresh from the club the night before, all duded out. They're standing around, and they said, he's a sinner. He did that on the wrong day of the week. We only do that at a certain day and a certain time, and just for a little season. And we don't even do it then. We just go through the motions. We just act like we're doing something. We just have a little circus going on here. We play in church. And, of course, church has to be interrupted about every five minutes for somebody to go get a break to smoke. Oh, excuse me. I wasn't supposed to say that, wasn't it? Almost as bad as when you go to the entrance of the mall, right? Got to pass through the cancer cloud to get through it. Coughing and hacking along with the rest of them. Well, that's an addiction. It's what the devil does to people. And they criticized Jesus. They said he did it at the wrong day. And Jesus called them, Jesus called them hypocrites. And he said, "Cause and I'm just going to put it where you can really understand it. Jesus said, which one of you would drop $100 in the pit and not go down there and get it on the Sabbath day? It looked like a bargain basement. That's how many people be down there trying to get it. And they all hung their heads and they all slithered away because they knew good and well that Jesus had their number that they, were, they weren't going to lose any money over the Sabbath day. And I'm trying to tell you something, that Jesus made it clear. He said, man wasn't made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for the man. I'm not going into a lesson on that Old Testament and pre-law pre right now, but I am telling you that the Bible said in the New Testament it teaches you that Jesus is our Sabbath in this period of time in which we live. Everything else was shadows and types. Everything else was goodness and blessings and training and discipline and teaching to bring us to Christ, to bring us to salvation. Not just a blueprint of salvation. I'm going to be very glad when the 50 sets of blueprints, we can roll them up, put them away, and let them collect dust. 
because we'll have the real thing. Wouldn't you like to get rid of all that words and all of that blueprint and all of that one day thing and roll that up and put that away and step into the real thing that Jesus has been leading you to salvation. He said, forget about observing times and seasons and thus and so. He said, let no man judge you in meat or drink or in new moons or Sabbaths. He said, man, I have brought everything to bring you to this. Now go get the Holy Ghost. Go get that promise of the Spirit. It's yours. I've made it possible. I'm blessing you, and I'm breathing on you, and I'm encouraging you, and I'm commanding you, and I'm directing you to go get this salvation that I have provided for you. Let the blessings of the Lord meet you with their goodness and usher you like a limousine just angels standing there with a the door opening ready for you to get in the vehicle of salvation Wanna, this is all to bring you to this place let's take a moment let's lift our hearts with our hands come on I want the real thing Jesus I want the real thing I praise your holiness I worship your righteous spirit I need your holy hand and your mighty power. I want your Lord to touch my heart right now. I want to wake up and recognize that all the goodness in my life is the blessing of the Lord to bring me to repentance, to bring me to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ, to bring me to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy God. Thank you, righteous Savior. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on now. You can have this great experience. You can have this wonderful truth. The goodness of God is leading you to repentance. Follow repentance with water baptism in Jesus' name. And that will follow with receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. And should you receive the Holy Ghost first, then you are commanded to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. The only way to fulfill Matthew 28, 19 is to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. He is the everlasting Father. He's everything. He's the one, true, wise, only, eternal God. And beside Him there is no other. Come on now. Come on now. Our God is great. Our God is mighty. We're going to make our way to the front. All the men over here, all the ladies over here. 